This podcast is presented by the Bet Parks online casino and sportsbook app. New customers download now and get up to $1,000 in casino bonus back if you're not a winner in your first 24 hours. See BetParks.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 in PA, New Jersey, Maryland, Michigan, or Ohio. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult to Today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation semi annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal too. Schedule a no obligation in home estimate now. Call 866 Nation or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This episode of BGN Radio is brought to you by Clip It, the hottest app that is out there. Watch TV, make clips, and share. For more information, check them out at clipit.tv or check them on Twitter at clipit.tv. You're listening to BGN Radio. Wentz and the shotgun. Wentz with a commanding presence is back. Here comes the rush. He steps up. He fires on the run. Complete to Ertz across midfield. Look at that kid. Ertz got out of came across the field, and there was great movement by Wentz, and he threw a dart. He threw a dart. Oh, what's going on, Bleeding Green Nation? It is episode number 231, and ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you, we have a jam-packed show of awesome guest content and many other things, and that is why you must rate, subscribe, and review wherever you are listening out there right now, whether that's Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, TuneIn, uh, or whether you're just listening to this with suction cups on top of uh, 400 Market as we're recording this thing uh, from 94 at WIP, and we appreciate, uh, as always, their support of our podcast as well. Uh, but please, subscribe, rate, review, five-star reviews do go a long way, and even even if you're like, ah, I don't know. I don't know if this podcast is worth listening, but I'll keep tuning back in. And you want to rip us maybe a little? That's okay too, you know. But still, leave the five stars. As a, you know, kind of, kind of gets us out there and and uh, and makes it. Uh, I don't know, popular, interesting, whatever you want to <laughs> kind of get in there. It's a terrible segue, but a segue nonetheless. As uh, we have Julian Davenport, the offensive tackle. I guess we have to say former from Bucknell, who is making a, making a lot of noise. Which is very interesting amongst the draft community. I saw a lot of uh, a lot of posts and things about him uh, in the past uh, day or two here, and he's been on our radar for a long time. He's going to sit down with us on this show as well, and we're very excited. And of course, for our Patreon subscribers, just as a reminder, Eagle After Dark has started. So if you're not on this train already, at Patreon.com/slash/BGNRadio, uh, there is additional bonus content. Of course, you'll see behind the scenes of maybe even this episode as we're recording it right now with pictures and things like that. But we are getting new podcasts out there, and it's just for a 
$5 subscription. But do want to send a big shout-out to all of our $10 subscribers, which become instant producers of the show along with everything else. So uh, Louis Finsner and uh, Tim uh, Westcott, uh, John Wintertweet, who is a big big Sixers uh, yes. guy as well, Dan Glick, uh, Sean Arnold, Dave Meyer, Len Hunsucker, who is part of another podcast over at the Philly Sports Roundtable. We haven't we haven't met him uh, yet, but uh, our good friend Juan Galvez, uh, Chad Weckert, Alan uh, Kalik, and I apologize if I'm butchering all these names, Stuart Kurtz, uh, and uh, Alexis Chasson. How about that? One of our own signing up and doing these things. So thank you so much to our, our producers over at the Patreon.com. And to become one, just go at Patreon.com slash BGN Radio. Yellow Man's voice that you hear on Skype and I, I believe I can almost feel his beard on mine because it has grown that large. The one and only, Mr. Brandley God. What's happening, buddy? What's going on, John? I have three quick things. Just just to make this intro to the podcast even longer. Yes, Before we actually that. start even talking about Eagles, we're just going to talk about so much other <laughs> non-Eagles things. So three quick things. First of all, um, thank you to the to Rhea Hughes and, uh, of course, Angelo and the morning show for yes. having me on this morning and, and giving us good praise. They said, you know, Regen Radio is a really good podcast, which I happen to agree. I think it is a good podcast. Uh, number two, uh, Eagle After Dark, really going big, going, uh, a lot of people seem to like it. So uh, I'm not just saying that. We're getting a lot of good feedback on that. So definitely check that out. And number three, I'm excited to be here. I know it's only, I guess it's been a, a couple weeks or so, but I don't think Tehran and I have ever been on. No, so this is I'm the, excited to talk with you guys. We're making uh, we're making BGN Radio history as BLG and the lovely and the beautiful. Again, not wearing the bow tie, but seriously overdressed for this podcast. I'm just sitting here <laughs> with the jeans and a hoodie, and he's he's dressed to the nines here. Teron Davenport from EaglesWire.com. What's happening, buddy? What's happening? A few other things to handle before, so I had to, you know, get geared up. <laughs> but I want to give a shout-out to Kevin Parker, Soul Food at Reading Terminal. Kevin, I, oh, yes. Oh, my God. I had a fried tilapia with, with cabbage and yams. And a nice roll to go with it. And <laughs> Wait, roll on top of that? You didn't even I, mention this part of it. Yeah. Wow. See, that's uh, the that's... secret part. And I, I am fully energized, you know. Um, did a little refrigerator shopping before hey. we jumped on. And, uh, <laughs> hey, it is what it is. But, yeah, man, I'm definitely excited to be back on with you. And, and BLG, this is a great opportunity for me. So I'm happy about that, too. Yeah, man. We're, uh, we are, we're very excited to bring... Bring the the wonderful Eagles minds to you uh, here on two thirty one. Well, let's let's start with the good business here because we got again we got a lot to get into here. Uh, BLG Eagles come out and sign a one year deal for Chris Long, who's listen has a had a really productive career and had some big highlights. Obviously, those have those have kind of passed through the way, but he's you know coming from the Patriots, the Super Bowl champion Chris Long, I, sh- I should say. Uh, and overall, I mean, I I just think this makes a lot of sense to me on on a bunch of different levels. Uh, also, very telling that you're replacing Connor Barwin with another, you know, veteran pass rusher in here, <clears throat> Vinnie Curry, which is uh, going to be interesting moving forward and seeing how this rotation kind of kicks out here. But what are your initial thoughts with Chris Long being an Eagle? Uh, I was confused a little bit at first. I guess I did because this was an expected signing. We'd heard Howard Roseman talk about the no band aids comment. Uh, I know that was kind of more in reference to cornerbacks when he was specifically asked about that. But still, you know, you figure. Uh, Chris Long wasn't exactly the the mold of free agent they were looking for, but thinking about it more, you know, it makes sense. It's not too expensive of a deal, and and defensive end was a need with Connor Barwin gone, and and look, Chris Long was pretty productive at least in comparison to Connor Barwin. Uh, this coming from Pro Football Focus, Connor Barwin one pressure every fourteen pass rushes. 
Chris Long, one pressure every 7.9. It's almost half the amount of uh, pass rush attempts for the same amount of pressure. So, you know, Chris Long, I think he can be a uh, pretty decent contributor. You know, it's interesting. You know, you mentioned Vinnie Curry, John. Uh, Chris Long played about like 65% of the snaps, Joe Douglas said, Uh uh, somewhere around there. Well, hmm. He also left New England seemingly uh, in desire of more playing time. So, like, I don't get this idea that he's just coming in here to kind of just only be a backup and like a rotation guy. I think he saw this as an opportunity to come in and start. I definitely think that is the case. And you look at what he he's done in his career up until I think it was 2010 or 2011. He was a right defensive end, which is what the Eagles need. You know, let's face it. Uh, BG is is better suited for the left side. You, you know, um, that's not to say he can't go in and, and do well against left tackles. But when you bring in a guy like a uh, you know a Chris Long that, that could play right defensive end, I, I think that gives him an opportunity to start. But another thing that I really like about this move is just the fact that now you're getting a guy who could come in and show these not younger guys, but show you know a guy like a Marcus Smith, you know how to go about. Uh, uh, being a pro, uh, you know, a professional defense alignment. And then more importantly, when you look at the draft, hey, if Derek Barnett is there at 14, guess what could happen? He could end up there. But also you, you got guys like Avery Moss that, you know, they've they've met with. You got a guy like a Derek Rivers. There, there are numerous defensive ends that this team can select at some point in this draft. So Chris Long is a really good mentor because he's a guy, you know, he learned from one of the best in his father, you know, as far as just – you know, playing uh, the position. But then on top of that, it's another good mix because he's a former teammate of Rodney McLeod. So there's just a lot of things in place here that, that make this a pretty natural transition. You always look at the, the fact that the guy came from a winning environment with the Patriots. You know, that that's something that could also help out just just having that, that, that mentality, you know, that, that winning mentality, even though it was just one year. The guy's a Super Bowl champion, and that is valuable experience. Absolutely. And, and, and again, like, uh, it's it just to me, and again, I hope I'm wrong with all this stuff. And when I say these things, I'm not saying that Vinny Curry's useless. He just kind of is what he is. He's a situational pass rusher that, that can kind of change it up here. I, and I'm with, <laughs> I mean, I'm with you, BLG. This is a sign that there's kind of no confidence in there, and not that they really should have any. He's just like, oh, now Vinny, Vinny can take care of it. He's he stepped up to that. The, the plate now, um, it just keeps coming back to me on how bad a contract that really is. I mean, geez, oh, man. And that's just a constant reminder of that. And it's so weird to me because Vinnie Curry is so loved in that locker room. He's, he definitely is one of those leaders that kind of gets everybody together. And, and unfortunately, it's just I don't, I, I don't know what to expect again. I know we have this conversation a lot, but um, if Chris Long is going to come in here, and just like you said, BLG, come close to that 65% Snap count, it doesn't leave a lot of room. And then on top of that, we've heard a ton of people mention that they are, there, there is a large possibility, a big possibility, that they're going to take a D-end in round one here. And, I, and if they're there and that's the best player available, I definitely think that they should absolutely do that. And it leaves a, a, a lot of competition there on that, on that right side of who is going to be taking over and who is going to be coming in here. So... Uh, you know, it is if if that's what happens in the draft, it is not. I think we might be able to actually put a lot of the Vinnie Curry stuff uh, to bed there. Uh, and again, you know, Jordan Willis also another guy that is 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 always on top of our minds here uh, going through this. And then BLG they they also do the 
do the Band-Aid, and something that I've been calling for for a long time. Just like I, you know, I completely understand if if uh, you want to go in and, and draft two corners and have them start, but please don't hand them over the jobs. Uh, and then they sign Patrick Robinson, which is immediately like, sign a free agent corner. Not like that! Uh, and yeah. that's kind of how I, I felt a little bit, but honestly, it's, it's better than nothing, and it's a million dollars, so I don't really care. But how, how do you feel about Patrick Robinson coming in here? I mean, if you feel any kind of strong opinion either way about Patrick Robinson, I think you're you might be doing something wrong. No, I, I don't know. I think it's I think it's a fine signing. You know, it's, like you said, it's one year, uh, it's one million. I think max. I think it's really even just the veteran minimum. Minimum. So, uh, you know, if you cut him, you can easily cut him if he if he stinks this summer or whatever. Uh, obviously, for former first round pick. Uh, I you know it's it's funny. I was watching a highlights video and shout out to Eagles fans who are awesome and like somehow make a highlight video of Patrick Robinson within like this was in like an hour of him signing with the Eagles. <laughs> but I was watching that to you know I was getting an idea and it came up my YouTube page anyway. So it's weird. It, it like I was watching him and it was like oh my gosh, I think he would have been the Eagles' best receiver last year because this guy <laughs> can catch. I'm like this guy's making a bunch of catches like. Now, um, obviously, you know, he's not going to come in here and be some stud corner for the Eagles, but I think he's the perfect kind of guy you want to add at free agency at this point. You know, again, not too expensive, has experience, blah, 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 fits all those holes. Um, it was kind of weird. I was talking to some of uh, SB Nation's Colts writers from Stampede Blue and uh, even some of the Chargers writers from uh, Bolts from the Blue. And... Uh, Colts guys weren't so high in him. He's had some injury issues. He couldn't really stay healthy last year, and and they felt like uh, he probably wasn't a good fit on the outside. They they saw him more of a slot corner, and they kind of wish he was used there more. And uh, you know, I was going through with the Chargers writers, and they actually kind of wouldn't have mind taking a, 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 this kind of shot on him, a, a one year, one million deal. So I don't think he's like the worst player in the NFL. Obviously, he hasn't been good, and he's been on a lot of different teams here. So I'm not expecting much out of him, but I think it's an interesting signing a little bit. I, I think you could have. I think it's it's fine for what the Eagles, for a team that needs so much help at cornerback. I'm pretty fine with it. Yeah, to me, it's it's strictly a depth move. I think that's really what what the the signing was for, and it gives them another guy, like you mentioned, that could bump inside and play that that nickel uh, position. When I look at him, you know, for a million dollars, it's not a bad deal. And, and you look at just comparing that to Leotis McKelvin, they saved 3.5, I think it was, by releasing McKelvin. I, McKelvin's obviously the better player. I wonder what kind of deal they could have got with uh, Tremont Williams. He's a guy that I, I thought that they would go after just simply because he has that, that nickel ability. He could help you out in the return game. And he's someone that, like uh, Al Harris, when he went to Green Bay, imparted knowledge to him, he's ready to do that. I've talked to some of his representatives and, you know, he was comfortable with coming in and, and being a guy to, to kind of mentor a, a younger corner or two, which is what the Eagles will do, maybe even three. We'll see what happens. But when you look at that, you know, that that's a good thing. It would have been a good move for them. But, hey, I mean, we'll see what Robinson brings to the table. Um, uh, again, it, it's a depth signing. So we'll see how that works. Yeah, and, and who knows, just like you guys have been saying too, it could just be uh, we'll we'll have to wait and see what what the situation is with Ron Brooks. I mean, maybe he becomes the new Ron Brooks, depending on what what happens in the draft and in the future. There, the only thing I'll add on here is like I see a lot of folks like it, this happens every single time in every single player that is there. Please, for the love of God, do not go off of PFF grades. 
Can we just stop doing that already? Like, I see a lot of guys like, whoa, PFF said he had a good, good year this year and this year and this year. Silver returns to form based on some weird metric that none of us understand, and they kind of compile it together. He might be good. Uh, sure. Just just trust me on this one. Go back and and use your eyes on that one. And before we get into some more Eagles talk, the other thing I want you to lay your eyes on is the man and now former offensive tackle from Bucknell, Mr. Julian Davenport, who again has been getting a lot into a lot of different conversations, and I'm noticing a lot on on draft Twitter. And Josh Norris also pointed that out. I think yesterday at this point, where uh, he's rising up a lot of NFL boards because of his athleticism. Another former basketball player that is just just humongous uh, through this uh, through this thing. He's got 88 inch wingspan. He's six seven, 315 pounds. One of those guys that. You know, you're you're starting to think about in the third round, fourth round, somewhere around there. They needed they need to find an answer for Jason Peters, and Julian Davenport might be that guy. As we bring him on right now on the clip at Hotline, Mr. Julian Davenport, what is happening, sir? How are you this evening? I'm good. Uh, how are y'all doing? Doing fantastic, my friend. And uh, you know, for for folks that don't know kind of your background and where you kind of came from, I mean, you were. You're a pretty good basketball player, I, I've been told. All conference, all state, something like that. Uh, just not too far away from here in New Jersey. Uh, what uh, what kind of made the transition from basketball to just concentrate uh, on football here? Uh, well, early in my high school career, I knew uh, that I was going to play football in college. So I told schools around then that I'll probably play football in college. So in the recruiting process for basketball, uh, just kind of, you know, had them kind of backed off a little bit, even though some still tried to recruit me. Uh, my coaches kind of helped out with that. Uh, but I just knew I was going to play football in college. I tell you, it must be nice to tell schools that you don't want their scholarship in basketball because <laughs> you want to yeah. play football. But that being said, I, I know in the senior at the Senior Bowl, we talked a little bit about just how the, the traits from playing basketball are able to transfer to your position, a left tackle with outstanding footwork. Can you go ahead and get back into that and just tell some of our listeners how those two coincide? Well, just uh, pass blocking uh, as an offensive lineman, I always say is just like playing defense in basketball, except for you're allowed to use your hands and rough up the person a little bit. So uh, definitely basketball has helped a lot. Uh, helps keep your feet, you know, very quick and quick change of directions. And that's a lot of football because everybody's pretty fast and can move pretty good. So you just got to be able to move your feet really well. And just, yeah, basketball uh, pretty much, I would say, helps in any sport. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, being 6'7 and 315 pounds and having an 8-inch wingspan doesn't doesn't hurt at all, my friend. So I, one of the things that I, I had noticed, and, and granted, uh, we, we wish you luck no matter where you land, but my head is always in, you know, Philadelphia Eagles form here. So, you know, Jason Peters isn't expected to be here Long term, you know, there's a lot of folks, including myself, that I'm not even sure if he's going to make it through this year. If the Eagles do draft you, um, what is it? What do you think is is going to take it for? I, I guess Lane Johnson to make sure he stays on that right hand side, and for you to replace a guy like Jason Peters. How would that make you feel trying to fill those those type of big shoes? Uh, I mean, it'll, it'll just make me ready to work. Uh, I come. I attack every single day when I wake up, and I'm just ready to get at it and get better. So uh, taking stepping in and trying to achieve that role uh, would definitely be great, and it just made me work even that much harder, uh, be able to do it. 
plus me just being right in New Jersey, uh, right in the Philly area. It would just be great to be playing uh, for the Eagles. Uh, hometown people will love it. Now, can I can I assume correctly that you grew up an Eagles fan then? Uh, me? Uh, I actually was a Steelers fan. Oh, on, no! I would say Eagles was, <laughs> Eagles was definitely, uh, I mean, no hate for them, but just Steelers fan growing up. Oh, listen, I, I I completely understand, man. I mean, they have they have all the Super Bowls, they have the dynasties. That's the Sixburg. I you know I can't I'm not I'm not going to argue with you on that. Um, and it and honestly, it looks like I mean, just from a lot of the draft media alone, like your your stock is is definitely rising here. But there's also a lot of people that are saying like, oh, this guy's raw. When when people say this guy's raw, how does that how does that make you feel? I mean, people just claiming that just because of the school I came from and. Uh, just because I feel like uh, many may think, and I even know myself, I'm nowhere near my full potential yet. So uh, I still have a lot of work to do, uh, but they they may be surprised at what I can do. Many people may think, even if I'm wrong and still at not my potential, I can still go out there and compete at the highest level. You know, as a left tackle, you're going to have to go against some of the smaller guys. And, and then even just looking at just your 88-inch wingspan, you know, when when you're in pass blocking or, or even run blocking, how important is it for you to be able to, to utilize that? How much does that help you as far as getting that first punch on, on a defensive lineman? Uh, it definitely helps a lot. Uh, uh term we, or just a phrase we use uh, at Bucknell, it's first meaningful contact wins. So uh, definitely having a long arms and a forceful punch with definitely it, it shocks the defenders. They're not ready for it, especially – if they're trying to move and they just get hit with uh, some hard hands, uh, definitely stuns them a little bit. So uh, the reach it definitely helps a lot and keeping these guys off you. That's, you want to keep them away from the quarterback, so you got to hold that pocket uh, nice, crisp, and clean, and it, it works out. Yeah, and plus, I mean, a man of your stature, and, you know, granted, I'm, uh, you probably <laughs> outweigh me and are, are, are a lot taller than I am, but if I got, uh, if I got that first truck from you, I'd be – I don't think I'd uh, I'd last another five minutes uh, <laughs> playing against you, so that is definitely very important there. But um, I, you know, the other thing too is just I guess is because of that, you know, and just following up with you know, some of the rawness comments and things like that. It is, and you know, the small school attitude and whatever it is, does that kind of put that extra chip on your shoulder when you're coming into this league and be like, all right, well, all these guys thought I was this small school thing. I mean, it's going to take me a lot of time, and and I'm going to show them. Is that kind of how how you are mentally right now? Uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely got that chip on my shoulder. And I'm looking to be the best. So when I'm coming in, I got that mindset every day. And people going to see sooner or later. So, What's the transformation? Because, I mean, you're really calm off the field, you know. But when you play, I mean, watching some of your games, you know, I saw an aggressiveness as far as throwing at the second level. Uh, like we talked about getting that initial punch. What is it that drives Julian Davenport? Like, what makes you want to be a, a, a violent person on the field? Uh, I mean, but aside from just loving the game of football itself, uh, I'm real competitive, uh, great competitor, and uh, real hard critic on myself. So I, I want to win every play. I hate losing. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that hate losing, but just, you know, that I just have that competitive edge where I just – I want to dominate. I want to win everything. Plus, it's because you're still really upset that La La Land didn't win Best Picture of the Year, too. Let's admit it. 
I'm just kidding. Uh-huh. That's a really bad joke. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Julian Davenport, uh, the offensive tackle. Uh, again, honestly, guys, I mean, this guy has everything that you look for, especially when you are looking for a guy to replace Jason Peters. I'm really excited about uh, his future. And, Julian, thank you so much for, for joining us right here on BGN Radio tonight. Oh, no. Yeah, thank you. Uh, appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, little cuz. <laughs> you know I had to get that in there. <laughs> to me, don't be surprised if they, if they kind of draft him a little early because, I mean, Teron, you even said it through there. I mean, he's just got the same kind of makeup and athletic athletic ability, that same kind of fight in him that you would see in a, in a guy like Jason Peters. Yeah, he's the true definition of a dancing bear. And this whole drafting him and, and keeping Lane at, at right tackle and, and developing him this year to – come in the following year and, and be the starter. That's something I've been talking about for a while, you know, and it's just oh, the way that I look at things, I, I think that he's an outstanding player, like in the conversation we had uh, where he will throw at the next level. He likes throwing, you know, and, and taking down, and he's athletic enough to to do those type of blocks, you know, whereas he's, he's uh, able to break down and, and take out a linebacker or a defensive back and, he has the agility to take on these edge rushers that you see uh, in this league. So I, I think it's a really good match for the Eagles, and they won't have to use an early pick, meaning a, a day one, maybe not even a day two pick. I could see him in the fourth round. So, you know, it, it's a good move for the Eagles to do. And, hey, I mean, I got to endorse the guy. <laughs> the little awesome, cuts. You kind of awesome threw in there last at the end. name. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, the, and again, it's just kind of um, – uh, you know, uh, and that's that's we've been riding that train for a long time, and it's a good thing. That's why we asked him. Is I, I really don't want the Eagles to move Lane Johnson. I they need to just replace Jason Peters, which is it's just so hard to do. Uh, so even if he can get a lighter version of him, uh, I I still think that's that's kind of the move there. I tell you the thing that that always interests me too, because you look at you know not to get off topic, but you look at Dalvin Cook. And, and and Christian McCaffrey and and fans always say, oh well, you know Jordan Howard was an X round pick and he, <laughs> well at the same time you're looking at Jason Peters who was an undrafted free agent, you know you, you look at there's multiple guys in the league that were not first round picks that developed into outstanding left tackles. So my thing is, you don't have to. I mean, if the opportunity is there, if Cam Robinson's there, you have to consider it. Absolutely. But I mean. That same thing about not needing to go running back first round should apply to left tackle if we're just, you know, throwing every at position things. that's it, out it, there. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, it just, it's funny to me how, how certain rules apply to particular positions, but not to others, you know, with, with some of the fans and, and draft nicks. <laughs> yeah. Yo, well, it drives me and BLG crazy, too. Because it's just <laughs> like, how can, he, how can one position be like, oh, you should never do that because you can find them all over the place? Well, was that so? If it's that easy, then why aren't there like seventy Hall of Fame running backs in the that were all drafted in, you know, rounds rounds three and down or whatever? Kind of, I don't know. Again, take good players for the love of God, and it, and and BLG. This is what I want to kind of get into as well. Where almost in, uh, I think I think these both came out in the in the same weeks here. But uh, Mike Sealski and then also Jeff McLean had a couple of articles just going through. You know, their point of view on, on what's happening this far. And I think, you know, Sealski was basically saying that the Eagles are more concentrated on making Carson Wentz a superstar than they are winning a Super Bowl. 
which I was kind of blown away by because if, if, if Carson Wentz is a superstar and a star, uh, then I would say that the, the, they have a chance at winning the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and then Jeff McClain kind of followed that up with an article uh, from that basically saying like, hey, uh, you know, how he keeps preaching patience and Jeffrey Lurie keeps preaching patience and things like that. And we'll get into their conversations as well because they had some interesting tidbits here. But yeah, I, I, I and McLean goes on to say that because he used those terms or whatever, uh, that signing guys like Jeffrey and signing you know guys like Chris Long or Patrick Robinson don't don't show that now like that. So I, I'm just so confused. I'm like, what exactly do they want the Eagles to do with this thing? There's still a draft coming up here. I think Sealski even made those points to saying like, well, they still don't have a starting corner. They still don't have this thing. So I was like, yes, there we're a four weeks away from an NFL draft to take care of some of those holes. Where they have eight picks. <laughs> with with eight picks to kind of do doing that. Do you uh kind of see their perspective here, BLG, or I'm I'm just I'm just a little baffled by it. I feel like, you know, first of all, you know, Jeff and, and Mike, nothing personal here, you know, nice Not at guys. All. Um I just I I don't really see where where Mike is coming from at all. I feel like that's kind of just a stretch, in my opinion. To and and the whole thing about that, the whole basis of that article, was not even anything like it wasn't even a. It was about the the Kelly Green jerseys. Like somehow that turned in. So so somehow that the Eagles wanted to bring <laughs> Kelly Green jerseys back. Which yes, please do, and thank you, Jeffrey, into, for trying to hit the hammer and getting the alternate helmets, and the NFL needs oh, to stop. And that's a good good idea. Absolutely. And then Lurie even said that, the, like, you know, they would let him. I don't know how, how much, you know, he was being serious or being honest about it, but he, he said they, uh, they, they might run him out as a trial run, you know, on Thursday night. And maybe who knows if they get popular enough and the reception is good, they'll make him the full time again. He didn't seem to rule that out. So I like that. But, but back to the thing, it's like somehow we got from there the Eagles suggesting uh, that they, they would want alternate jerseys or for the Kelly Green to that Carson Wentz thing. And I was just like, whoa, like, I kind of think that's like you're making a big leap there. And I kind of just – that's not really how I see it at all. I I don't know. I think um, uh, there has been some talk about the Carson Wentz uh, being like an obsession of Jeffrey Lurie's thing. I think Tim McManus has kind of laid that out probably in a more little – little more uh maybe rational way there on espn <laughs> um and i think there's there's i don't know if there's something to it but i think part of the the thing here oh blg is, real quick didn't didn't Lori say something about having 200 and some plus odd notes on on carson wentz 80 alone pages. 80 pages they 80. all just said carson wentz over and over again <laughs> um they stole my scouting report How so um but uh back to what i was saying is that uh, this is just the time of off season, or it's and it, not even just the time off season, but just is when the Eagles do something, or any team, or let's we'll, we'll focus on the Eagles. When the Eagles do something here, um, they're always going to be criticized for the things they didn't do as well, and that's going to be any NFL team because you can't address all needs at once. It's just not possible. You're not going to be able to do that. So the fact that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie and Doug Peterson keep talking about patience and having to trust our process. Um, and things like that. Uh, there's some there's some merit to that. You know, the Eagles aren't going to be able to fix all of their needs in one offseason. And I think people kind of like lose sight of that or something. Like, if the Eagles, all right, so let's say the Eagles signed a cornerback, you know, or whatever. And then then like you're so you're telling me there's not going to be a bunch of columns about how the Eagles aren't even helping Carson win. So it's like <laughs> it's like they're damned if they do and they're damned if they don't. Or <laughs> just like if it, it, I kind of imagine if it was, let's say they did end up signing AJ Bouye for thirteen and a half million dollars. 
Howie Roseman does it again and signs a a, a big free agent cornerback yes. rather than trusting the draft skills of Joe Douglas and blah 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 and all that stuff. So yeah, I and and again, I'm not saying that there shouldn't be criticisms of such, especially I mean, Jesus, look who's talking here. I, I, I if there's an opportunity to criticize Howie Roseman, I will probably do it. But uh, uh, until there is a draft and like the plan of this year kind of comes together. Uh, I I don't understand the overcorrection of trying to find something. Well, they, you know, I know we're celebrating this, but you got to do this, this, and this. It's kind of, it's kind of, it's just like, man, slow, slow down, everybody. Let's let's. Uh, the shop will be open April thirtieth when this thing is is kind of wrapped up, and we have we have an opportunity to see what they're drafting yet. Sometimes you got to just sit back and, and let let the thing just just marinate and and do what it does. You know, this draft process obviously. We're deep into it. You know, we have a month away. But if you're going to complain about not having a starting corner, understand that there's a good chance they draft that starting corner with the number 14 pick. Okay, Sidney Jones, he was the guy. He would have came in and started. But, all right, he was injured. So now a trade-up could be in play, going up, moving up. To, to get Marshawn Lattimore, that's something that could be possible. Oh, but, man, you want to make it exciting on draft night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, imagine imagine those steps if they say, you know, you hear the update and it says we have a trade and the Eagles are on the board. There it is. So, I mean, but when you look at just the, this whole thing, I understand what the Eagles are doing as far as trying to put talent around Carson Wentz. And that's not necessarily an, an indictment on Wentz's talent. But I will say that what they're doing is showing you that Carson may not be the guy individually that will make everyone else around him better, but we need to grab players that will help make him better. And together, the whole team concept, you know, together each achieves more is really what's in play. And and this is something that some of us have been saying about Carson. He's really good, without a doubt, but he's that guy that you want to put talent around yes. to really showcase he's he's not and i mean hey it's no knock i mean he, he's not tom brady he, he's not gonna make yeah, sorry he's not a, a top five quarterback yeah but <laughs> hey look yeah. he's still in, in my book a, a top 15 top 16 quarterback so what do you do with those guys you give them everything you you can to help them win so what they're doing makes sense whether or not they're trying to make a star out of him is irrelevant this is a, a quarterback driven league you have to score points in order to win you have to. So they're just creating that opportunity to do so. Now, conversely, you you still have eight picks. You know, there's eight guys that you're going to bring in. At least two of them are going to be corners. One of them will be a linebacker probably, inside backer. One of them will be a, a defensive end. So they're going to address the defense. But, I mean, it, grading them right now, it, it's, ha- it's an incomplete grade because yeah. you're not going through the whole process. Yeah. Now, if you go come back and after the draft and say, "Hey, you know what? They didn't address corner," and, and yeah, they did, then deal. yeah, oh that's a God. problem. Yeah, but they- right now, <laughs> it's it's very clear what the goal is, and coincidentally, this is a, a monumental draft class for a position that they need cornerback. So, shuck, hey, shuck, I don't I don't see anything out. wrong with what they're doing. No, uh, neither do I. And it's just, and if you want to tell me that, man, I don't know if if again going back to the Jeffrey thing, if you have. If your main complaint was, oh my God, that Carson Wentz has nothing to throw to, what, what are we arguing about? <laughs> like for those of us, including me, who were like, you have to just trade for Tory Smith at this point because I can't take it. Uh, you know, I mean, he's here and he's worth five hundred thousand dollars as a base salary. So um, I, you really can't, really can't complain about 
any of that stuff. And imagine if those guys were here in year one for Carson Wentz and how that might have helped his development as opposed to year two and and whatever. I, yeah, I, I I don't I don't really understand it either. And hopefully uh, they can kind of nail this thing, which is it would make me <laughs> make me rest easy about uh, the that relationship. Which again, Jeffrey Lurie remarked on during. During some of uh, his, I guess we'll call the informal press conferences he's done at the owners' meetings there about, you know, just how they're they're being very collaborative <laughs> between him and all that. So that would be that would be a great thing if that is true, moving forward here. But again, BLG and you know we we talked about this thing on the on the text thread a lot. Uh, we spent an entire show at it here on WIP as I was really grateful that uh, to fill in for Ike Reese and, and talk to Chris Carlin for a long time about this this afternoon. But uh, and as Jimmy Kemsky had had mentioned and even put a mock draft out on here, uh, the Eagles are. It doesn't sound to me uh, from from Doug's comments and from Laurie's comments that he would be off the board uh, for or either one of them are, are putting Joe Mixon off the board there, and it's it's gotten us into a large discussion again about okay where where are we at with 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 character versus talent versus. A lot of these things here, and you brought up the an interesting theory this week uh, about why it is that some some of the fan base is so obsessed with getting Joe Mixon here, and and it's a really good theory here, BLG. Is it? What are we talking about? Oh, yeah. oh man! I no, I'm kidding, to... John. I know. I'm <laughs> you. Uh, I heard you mention it today on the show. I did. Um, I did. Yeah, I, just... I totally stole it. When I, it's all right. It's all right. Um, we're on the same team. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> when I, whenever I do like a Facebook Live. With the Q and A, which I usually have been doing those on Sundays, if you want to check those out, cheap plug there. Um, or like if I just do a Twitter question and answer session, or if I look at other people doing them, there's just always questions about Joe Mixon. There's just always questions about Sidney Jones. And you look back in years past, and it's not just Eagles fans; it's every city, like every fan base. It was with Honey Badger, and it was with you know name of name of prospect who you know like was really talented, but there was concerns about. So they're going to fall in the draft like any of those guys. It's every this happens every single year where there's just like this obsession with getting that guy because it's like, oh, my gosh, it's a first round talent, but we can get him later than the first round. And it's what we make fun of the Cowboys for doing all the time. You know, like, oh, the Cowboys <laughs> have five first round picks this year or even like with the Jaguars <laughs> last year getting Miles Jack and and everything they did. Um, I'm not saying like that's always the worst idea and it's not, I'm not saying like I'm making fun of it and it's always wrong. I'm just saying like, I think we get, or at least we, it's, it's easy to get too caught up in that. And I think, uh, uh, it just becomes like this, this, I think it's more of a, I don't want to say casual fan as an insult, but I think it's kind of just, you know, people who aren't maybe following along with the draft as closely and kind of just being like seeing it at that simplistic level of like, wow, we can, like the Eagles have a lot of, and I get it. It makes sense in theory. The Eagles have a lot of holes. It would be great to get a guy who has that kind of first round talent later on in the draft. It would be great to get a steal. Like that's what they need to do. We just talked about it. They need to hit on this draft. But you know, you have to question at what expense does it come at? You know, there's there's serious concerns with Joe Mixon. Uh, personally, I would just prefer not to have him on the Eagles. You know, you can you can make that decision for yourself. I know a lot of people are are going to be talking about that. We're going to be talking about it if they draft him. You know, we're going to have to figure out, everyone's going to have to figure out, you know, how you feel. I mean, I, I doubt a lot of people are going to stop watching the team, but some people might, and it, it's going to feel weird, and it's going to be, uh, he might, he could easily be here for a long time, you know, if, if they draft him. He's only 20 years old, and 
he is he does have a lot of talent. So it's going to be something. Uh, it's going to be something we're going to be talking about for a long time if he ends up in the city. Yeah, my thing with that is that I don't think the man should be damned eternally, but I, I do understand what people are saying as far as you know when they they say okay. I would rather not have him on the team just because of having to continuously talk about the issue. And then another thing that you're going to have happen, unfortunately, is every single Eagles game you're going to see this woman getting, you know, you're going to see what happened. And it's just, or hear about it, one yeah, or the other. Yeah, they'll definitely bring it you up. You know, yeah. so it's just, it's just further bringing to light, you know, what had happened in the past, and it's just like reopening a scab continuously and my thing is this, I'm not going to say that they shouldn't draft him because, you know, I'm I'm a person who believes that everyone deserves a second chance. Obviously, it's cost him a lot. Has it cost him everything? Obviously not. But at the same time, when you look at opportunities to bring in other guys like a Dalvin Cook, who I am 100% behind, you, you know, considering with that number 14 pick, you know, he has some stuff with him too, but the fact of Absolutely. the matter is the video the visual part of it, there's actions speak louder than words, you know, and that that's why there's a little bit of an imbalance as far as comparing the two, which everybody seems to want to do, you know, compare their their off the field stuff. But I mean, there are other guys that, that you could get. Uh, I don't really think I think Mixon is talented, but I don't think that he's that guy. Absolutely, you have to draft regardless of what. And and you know I like a guy like a Joe Williams. You know I like Jamal Williams. I like Kareem Hunt and yeah. Marlon Mack. You know there are multiple backs that you could get that could still have some type of uh, impact for this team. Yeah, and and it's and I'm kind of I, I guess I'm no I definitely don't want him on the football team. <laughs> That's right, Matt. I was gonna say I'm kind of in the middle. I was like, you know what? It's just not it's just not worth it. You know, and and really for. Any, any, I guess, type of talent. It's just to me that this kid never really, and I know that Oklahoma didn't really handle this thing it, it, well either. I don't think they really wanted him speaking about it, which was odd. And um, I, 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 but again, at the same time, there's no real reason why he couldn't have just gone and done that on his own if he was really remorseful about it versus, or, you know, or, or feeling genuinely like I can't believe I did this thing. Versus, I I don't want you guys to know, but can you just stop talking about it? And to me, he's more in the on the level of of that of just like I got caught doing this thing. It's it's visual. That's I'm never going to try and escape that, and it's always just going to kind of be here. And I, I don't know. I just don't get a sense that he's he's that genuinely sorry about a lot of that stuff that's there. And there's a lot of people that just say, you know, hey, he was twenty, and I don't want to damn the kid either to eternity either. I'm I'm a big believer in second chances as well. Uh, I think it is also on a case by case basis on what that needs to happen. There shouldn't be a blanket just over. Hey, everybody deserves second chances. Not when it's like that, man. I mean, like you you break open somebody's, and I don't care what happened. I mean, like you just don't. Even if it was a male, and and you're breaking somebody's jaw in five places, like that's a serious thing. I know a lot of twenty year old kids who don't do that. You know, and and it's just like. Man, oh man! I, and, and the way we try and rationalize a lot of these things, I heard a lot today about like, well, that woman shouldn't have been shouldn't have been provoking him in the first place, or like, what about self defense? And I, I'm just like, oh my yeah, god, no. we're, we're we're trying to like again rationalize this thing that happened. And then we also talked to a reporter from the Oklahoman, who, uh, and again, take it for what it's worth because it's just one man's opinion. And again, this this more or less reflects 
how Oklahoma handled this thing, which is really terrible, but he can't get a sense of who this guy is after three years of covering the football team. Just as a person, you know, and there's 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 other guys that are there that are just like, uh, you know, his teammates will stick up for him. You don't hear a lot of coaches publicly come out and say, oh, yeah, I know this looks bad, but trust me, I know this kid, and he, there's, you know, there's nothing but character behind it. Haven't heard that once publicly. They don't want their name attached to that DV. It's not, let me mistake, correct myself, it's not domestic violence. It's assault. They don't yeah. want their, their name attached to that assault of, of a female. Thing. And hey, I mean, I understand what they're coming from, but I, I tell you something that's interesting. I'm, I'm looking at a poll for an article I did where I projected a running back to to the Eagles in each round. You know, just looked at different prospect options. And at the end of the the article, there's a poll, mm-hmm. and 35 percent of the people who have read this article want Joe Mixon to be the Eagles' pick. 31 percent Christian McCaffrey, 19 percent Dalvin Cook. Wow. And then Alvin Kamara, uh, James Conner, and Dante Foreman were on there also. But I thought that was interesting. So apparently a lot of Eagles fans have a different way of looking at things than – Oh, no. Th- I, think it, I think it's – And I that's think not to say there's a right or wrong. Yeah. It's it was, just it interesting. 50-50. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, but, to, but to me, and, the, and, and just to – and again, I'm not trying to com, com, uh, compartmentalize this next thing with what I'm about to say. If you just want to look at on-field stuff, and again – same reporter from the Oklahoman. Same guys that are – there's this, like, random hype machine that is around this kid for some reason that I can't really figure out, even when I watch tape or when I, when I do all these other things. But this guy is telling me, he's just like, I'm not sure if he can – he's the guy you want carrying the football 200 times a year. And I'm like, 200 times a year? It's 12 carries a game. So you're telling me that not only – and again, it's just one guy's opinion, but if that's the case where it's more towards that side and you're talking about – part-time back, you know, and, and I get that. I think the hands are more there, and I think Teron agrees with this too, where the hands are more there than it really is him as a pure running back in, in, in a lot of that. So you're, <laughs> there's a lot of people that are like, I would, yeah, sure, risk it. Risk it. I I don't know if he's a good football player. I don't know if he's going to be a star is basically what I got from the whole conversation. I'm like, man, this is, it's a, it, there's a lot of risk for not a lot of reward if that's kind of the outcome here. It's strange. He's getting a lot of attention because of this issue, you know, and it's almost like we're getting away from just evaluating him as a, a, a running back mm-hmm. and more into evaluating him as, as, as a person a overall. Yeah, yeah, as a steal. And just Mel Kuyper, man. <laughs> the sunshine pumper himself. Yeah, Mel, Mel Kuyper, he who talks fast and doesn't say much, had the audacity to say this guy is better than Dalvin Cook. Sure. And that is just – absurd you know uh, I was on a different show talking about this and and uh Cordell Stewart was the host and he 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 said that it's interesting how it seems like sometimes these analysts have agendas and I said Cordell you know you're right because coincidentally this is the same guy who's saying that Dalvin Cook is going to draft to the first round so it's almost like he's trying to push Joe Mixon into the first round and 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 drop Dalvin Cook and it's it's just the classic thing that you see with a lot of draft nicks and a lot of people who talk draft, whereas you're not allowed to like two prospects at yes. the same position. You have to hate one and love uh-huh. the other. And I just I think there's a lot of hype going to this guy because of not like you know you want to root for him because of what happened, but there's a lot of hype because of the whole issue. And he's a more polarizing figure as a result. So. 
that has kind of pumped him a little bit in this draft process. End of the day, I don't have him as as my. He's. I have three running backs better than him. Yeah. I'm sorry. I I just I really like Joe and Jamal Williams, and I would draft them before Joe Mixon as well. Yeah, and that's and that's where the other issue is too. With just on a, from a football stances, again, it's a very deep draft class, and if you're trying to make this guy out like. Oh, he's Adrian Peterson uh, in between the tackles and Brian Westbrook and catching football. We got a Jesus. That's a that's a pretty uh, crazy conversation. Any, any other uh, mixing thoughts here, BLG? Um, I you know it's funny, Teron, you say that. Uh, obviously, you, I like Dalvin Cook a lot too. Um, but like you know, there's there's a lot. It's not just Kuiper. You know, uh, Greg Cassell did a film piece recently saying you know he's the the best running back in this class. Uh, our own Johnny Page on BleedingGreenNation.com put out his running back rankings today, and you know he just based on talent, he feels like Joe Mixon is the best. So I mean, you know, there's some guys out there who well, obviously you have to fire him now. Let's uh, yeah, clearly. Uh, <laughs> sorry, Johnny, if you're listening to this, I, you're I just here. wonder if they're watching him go down after the first contact as yeah. he does so so often. But I mean, you know, it's it. This is opinion time. You know, everybody has their own opinion. And just, and really, I would, I feels like, you know, at first I kind of, I, maybe I was wrong for it. I kind of just felt like the Eagles weren't going to go in that direction. But after hearing Howie, or not so much Howie, I don't think he was asked about it as Doug. much, but after more uh, Doug and Jeffrey Lurie, I mean, look, if they wanted to take a hard stance against this guy, they easily could have, like, Robert crafted and said, like, pretty much just said, like, I don't want him on my yeah. team and, and any words. And, and they didn't do that. So I think the door is definitely open. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And and uh, just so it's them and the Dolphins that have only kind of publicly yeah. come out and said, we're not going to do it. Interestingly enough, today, the. <laughs> Uh, the Chargers came out publicly and said, "No, well, he's still on a draft board. He We've talked to him. The Packers. We're, we're hanging out. He visited with the Packers. He's definitely going to get drafted. That's yeah. that's not my issue. Uh, it, I, he can have a second chance if somebody wants to give it to him. I'd rather it not be in Philadelphia. And that's that's pretty much how it goes for me. And one thing that we should definitely discuss right now, quickly, <laughs> is the fact that uh, our old uh, our, our, the, the, uh, the I mean, I, I know Teron was very high on him, but uh, come on, man." East Tabor, four seven three. There, you cannot really convince me more that that is not ever going to be a first uh, a, a corner CB one in any football team here. Well, I'm going to adapt the same. <laughs> don't ideology. tell me. Don't tell me to go eye in the sky. Don't do press, it, Teron. Press play. That's oh, that's what oh, he said. God. But here's the thing. Obviously, okay, he was playing off uh, a lot in in college, but for the most part, you didn't see him get beat. And I mean, my thing is this. Some guys just have football speed and some have track and football speed. Tease has both, or excuse me, he has uh, football speed. And there there are a couple plays where I, I've seen him track down the ball, run it down, and, and, you know, break up a pass. I haven't seen him get beat frequently in in college. Right now that's all that we could go by. Obviously the four seven three, the four six time is, is very disappointing, but – you know, at the end of the day, I, I continue to say it. We pay him. You know, if if, if the track team w- was recruiting him, you know, <laughs> oh, I, I would say, man, yeah, come on, Teron. take him off the board. But Teron, you're killing me with this. Player. Name one corner that had ran a four seven three that was a freaking number one CB. Oh, that's well, right. They don't exist well, because it doesn't happen. I don't get into number one CB, number two CB. I get into Get on the field and cover the man in front of you. And he does that well. 
That, that's, okay. that's the bottom line. So that I agree with. I just I just noticed that there was a lot of I mean there was a lot of first round talk about him being there at fourteen or whatever. And I think mm-hmm. that's I mean that's not there. That's not possible anymore. Now. I'm not gonna say it's not possible. It's, it's a lot less likely, you know, because a part of the evaluation process, albeit a small part, is the the combine and and the time that he ran was not exactly the best. But there are things that you can do technique wise to to help you along the way as far as not being the fastest guy. I, I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if he goes first round, but I think he's going to be a very good value for someone in the second round. And, and you know, the guy's a good, uh, an outstanding corner. And and that's what I go by. And, and here's the thing. Looking at, you take the combine out pretty much to a person. They will say he's a first round corner, right? So all of a sudden he runs a slow time and now we're, we're docking him a, a whole round. And, and all of a sudden the guy forgot how to play football. That's why I always say beware of the off-the-field evaluation. I'm not talking about personality yeah. character. I'm talking about athleticism. Because some guys just have technique and have the ability to do things to, to override uh, what they lack athletically. So here's the only thing where I'll, I'll disagree a little bit again. And I, I do agree, especially with these guys. And you can Josh Norman, 466. You know, Richard Sherman, 46, all that stuff. And that, and they are very technique driven guys. That's what made them so successful. All the handwork, all the footwork, all those first steps. And you talk to any player, no matter where they line up. As we just said, as Julian Davenport was telling us, the first move is the most important. You win the first move, you're probably going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it the problem is for me is when those guys get beat, and even a guy like Richard Sherman, especially a guy like Josh Norman, who gets beat in that first step, is going to lose and they can't recover. Uh, and I just don't. I you know again for what this team needs. I, I don't know. I, it makes me very uncomfortable to have him stick in there and be like, okay, this is this is going to be the outlier here, and this guy's technique is so good, which it isn't, uh, is is going to trump anything that he does in those 40 times athletically. But we'll have to see. Yeah. With the, the beauty part of this is Teron can make fun of me when he becomes like the superstar, and, and now he's going to be. The same with Conley, too, because those two guys, I don't really understand why people still like them, so now they will become... Uh, instant uh, instant superstars here uh, and BLG. I mean, like I don't I don't know. I know I know that uh, it's it's not like a, a very big like uh, draft conversations that you get into normally. But Tease Tabor four seven three do anything for you? It's weird with I like Tease uh, and I also like Dalvin Cook. So it's kind of it's it's like frustrating almost to see those guys mm-hmm. to not test as well as you think they would have or or at least hope they would have too. Especially because you know you you like this player and you think they're good and you would figure. You know, their measurables might not be perfect, but they would at least be, you know, like passable or decent. And, you know, it's just they're not. So I'm kind of really interested to see how those guys, you know, how they turn out in the NFL is, is you know, is it does it come down to only the taper or will we see them flame out because they just mm-hmm. don't have that that threshold of the of the athletic ability that the testing might indicate. So I'm kind of interested to see how those guys do. Yeah, and, and and so am I. Even like I'm I'm happy to be wrong, especially if they're Eagles. <laughs> they kind of pan out and and do those things. We're all rooting for uh, for a lot of those guys. Uh, one final thing before we wrap the show up tonight, which I this 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 thing in Washington gets more and more interesting. As you might remember, if you were there when we first started testing out our Facebook Live shows, this thing kind of came across the wire the same night that Jeffrey got signed, and you started hearing things about yeah. Washington planting a lot of this stuff to get Scott McLaughlin out of his GM seat here. And you're like, no, it can't be. I mean, it can't be that crazy, right? And then as we 
got into the conversation and it had unfolded where like, oh my God, Washington totally planted all this stuff. And today, Pro Football Talk BLG, uh, it, it, with a conversation with Michael Robinson, who's the former fullback from Seattle, who's a guy that's really good on the NFL Network, by the way, comes out and has this conversation. And he's quoted in this article as saying he knew that the players loved him and he started feeling the hate from Bruce Allen right around, well, he's been feeling it, but they didn't let him speak to reporters at the Senior Bowl. And he said to him that that was his last straw there and he knew he was on his way out after that. And this is Robinson saying on Thursday with the the West uh, McElroy show via the Richmond Times-Dispatch. So I think that's, uh, again, a local local show somewhere in Richmond. Then he went on to say he, he said he had a draft meeting after the combine, and Bruce called him up to the office just like, nobody likes you in this building, nobody wants you here. And Scott was like, well, I guess I'm out of here. And then the bombshell drops of him saying that uh, an issue right now of drinking, I haven't touched a drink in quite a long time time so uh all of this blg really adds up to me like the chris cooley thing was intentional yeah, from terrible. from from them they definitely told him to leak that out there to get that conversation moving then they make up fake news about the the romo thing and there being a three-way trade between that and and cousins and all that to just, just distract from the cell themselves the news that they leaked out that was fake to begin with and now you're here in this thing and and we had said during that show this is the NFL needs to investigate this, and it, and to the point now where you have at least the other uh, somewhat of the other side of the story. The NFL needs to step in here because this is this is fucking terrible. This is awful. This is a this is a weird kind of sickness that I I I, I, I honestly even as a football fan, forget that we're Eagles fans, forget that this is the NFC East. This is really fucked up here. If this is true, defamation of character. Let's be honest, guys. Washington is a mess right now, and so is the football team that plays in the NFC East down there. Hey, so, hey. there you go. So, um, seriously, <laughs> seriously though, it's you know I've been I've been writing about it off all off season, uh, much to the enjoyment of our our Washington football team uh, followers who just love you know every time I write about that team. Uh, <laughs> wait, wait, you you were trending at one point too with that. Yeah, too. I was trending in DC. <laughs> wow. at one point. They just they love me, man. Beautiful. So, but seriously, they're it's just it's more of the same. It's not even new. It's just this is this is always going to happen in my mind. Um, you know, they finally have like, and this is the best thing about it. I love when people talk about this because it's like they, we finally had two like. And it's not even you can't even say like good years because what did they really even accomplish in these past two years? I mean, they made the playoffs once, yeah, sure, but the rest of the NFC East was horrible, and they didn't beat a team with a winning record all season that year. So it's like they finally have these two good years by their standards, which is just terrible. And it's like they can't keep it going. Or well, we'll see how what happens from here. But it's just like they couldn't keep the guy around who was responsible for some of that success. And it was just, it's so unnecessary. Like, it just seems like uh, in that article, I don't know if you had mentioned it, John, but they basically said, uh, Bruce Allen reportedly said to uh, Scott, like, everyone hates you here yeah, or something yes. like that. And it's yeah, like, yeah. how? How would that even happen? Like, it's just, I just, I mean, you know, who knows? You know, these these front office uh, relationships can be testy and uh, it's a, a high-pressure job. So who knows for sure? But still, it just is like, 
even if that was the case, like, how do you not make this work? You know, this is the best thing you've had going for you in a long time. And it feels like you just messed it up for no apparent reason. And it feels like they're just going to mess all of this up. Like, you know, the, the cousins thing, it's like they should have signed him to an extension by now. As much as I make fun of him, like he's clearly their best option at quarterback. And I, like, what are they going to do? Just have no quarterbacks? So I don't, it's just always a mess down there. And it's better for the Eagles that way. Yeah, it's interesting. Some of the guys that I, I talked to in the media down there, they, they said that there has been a somewhat of a jealousy thing, whereas Bruce Allen doesn't like the fact that the actual opposite of what he said is happening, where all the players like him, where a lot of the, the coaches like him. And, look, you know, Scotty Mack is, is an outstanding de- identifier of talent, you know, he he built that 49ers team that that was do- dominant, you know, that that John uh, Jim Harbaugh did an excellent job with. That team was built by by Scott McLuhan. You know, the Seahawks team that that you know kept the 49ers from going to the Super Bowl a year and and won the Super Bowl themselves. That was built partly be- by obviously you know Snyder, John Snyder, but Scotty McLuhan had a lot to do with that also. This red there's no coincidence that you, you know now this team is is doing well, so to speak, and they had their best run that they've had in years with Scotty Mack there also. And it's just unfortunate that you have morons like Chris Cooley coming out to the on the show and, and saying to me he should should have been fired for that. That's oh, def- no way defamation re- of character. That, but that's that, know, the Washington wanted to say that, right? I he understand that. I, I'm, what I'm saying is, is ethically. Or not even ethically, professionally, he should be fired. If you were to get on the air right now and, and say Howie Roseman has X problem, you know what? They would probably come to you and say, "Hey, listen." Well, yeah, never work again. Exactly. Yeah. So well, Howie it, Roseman has a drafting problem, but that's a different story. <laughs> <laughs> that's different that, that, from that, 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 you know that. the other problem. But it, it, it's just unfortunate, and I, I, I'm glad Michael Robinson came out and and you know with the the interview. And, you know, the thing with him, he was actually drafted by McLuhan also. You know, he had the foresight to, to bring him in. And, and in San Francisco, he was converted to a running back, you know, war number 24, and he was a fullback, running back, all-purpose guy for them. And I, that situation down there is, is toxic, man. It, yeah. it's, it's terrible, you know. Now you got a quarterback who made his living throwing to, you, you know, two of these guys, and, and one of the guys in Deshaun Jackson opened things up so much for Jordan Reed and Jamison Crowder. Deshaun's gone. Garcon couldn't wait to get out of there either. Yeah, laughing, they laughing. Have, they have a running back situation, you know. Uh, uh, I don't know what they're going to do, to be honest with you. I don't know what they're going to do. It's wagon to Robert Kelly, I guess, right? That's hey, it. Fat Rob. I guess he's, he's going to be the one to, to do it. Or, or, you know, the fumbler, Matt Jones, one or the other. There you go. But it, it, it's, it's, they're in a bad situation, yeah, really bad. I wonder if John Ross is going to end up there to replace Deshaun. We'll see. But, you know, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah, and I think I said McLaughlin, too, by the way. I was thinking of Sarah for, for something. <laughs> Obviously, McLuhan uh, threw in there. And it's just – I tell you, man, I just think that it is, and this is really not a shot for, for Washington fans. If if they find hard evidence, that, and I always go back to the Diane Rossini thing, too, where did that, was that a team leak saying like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, uh, by the way, may or may not have gotten information because she was blowing him. Yeah. You know, and it's just like, first of all, that's a huge ac- uh, accusation towards a female reporter, which is not easy in this business ever. Just to be just to be male in in in, in here is, is a very tough grind. So I can't imagine that kind of mark that people have 
if they put that on you and that's just like was just like so throwaway, you're just like, oh my God, what the hell is happening here? If any of this stuff is true, and and it's not to punish Washington fans, uh, they need to take that team away and move it. And get, and get rid of it. Like, it has done nothing good since Dan Snyder has owned it. It's bad for the league. It's bad uh, to, to, just for everything. Honestly, like, how can you not move that football team or uh, demand new ownership there immediately? Like, have the NFL take it over for a year, just like they kind of did in the NHL with, with the Phoenix Coyotes, and be like, we need to find a proper owner before this moves forward further here. Like, until that happens, uh, I, I, I honestly... If there is any shred of of truth to any of this stuff, they need to force all of those people out of there. They can sorry to be profitable. That's which really is crazy. Whatever. Stop going. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm not uh, Washington fans. I'm not speaking to you like oh how dare you or whatever. Stop fucking giving them money. This is what they're doing to you. If the, if this happened, guys, if this happened here in Philadelphia, we would burn the link down. This is incredible. If 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 we knew. Just, just put it in perspective here. Let's just say that it is. Let's say it's Joe Douglas coming in here, and he has completely revamped this thing and made really good moves for the last two years, a lot of positive steps. They win a playoff game. They win a playoff game here, and we're, we're feeling great. And then all of a sudden, these things just start coming out of left field, like, oh, yeah, Joe's not that really that great a guy. No. And, then, and, then, and then Jeffrey Laurie and Howie Roseman made all this shit up about Joe Douglas just to move on and get him out of here, what would be your reaction today right now? Okay. Oh, my God. People We'd be, be like, pissed off. yeah, get get him in here and get him out and and get rid of, of ownership here. It's a, it's definitely something to keep an eye on moving forward because, man, that's, an, that's incredibly crazy that's happening here. Uh, we're going to wrap up uh, episode number 231. Uh, BLG, any, uh, any final thoughts as we're going out here, my friend? Yeah, we're going to have to criticize Howie Roseman a little here. Um, the Eagles are paying 20... 20- Point sixteen million to quarterbacks this year, and two of them are not on the roster. Hey, and now. one of them is Chase Daniel, and he is making the most money of any Eagles quarterback <laughs> in terms of cap hit. Yeah, that's pretty year. bad. So, uh, and it's not even just that. And and it's funny because I I think John, we've gotten this question too about uh, uh, why you know oh the Eagles have a rookie quarterback, why don't they have any cap space? So well, this is part of the reason why. And it's not only this; it's also because the Eagles gave, as we talked about at the top of the show, Vinnie Curry. You know, like what, forty-five million, eighteen guaranteed, yep. and he's only playing forty-five or forty-point-five percent of the defensive snaps. And now the Eagles are signing Chris Long to play over him, and they gave a big extension to Selleck, and they gave a lot of money to Zach Ertz, who kind of you know wasn't living up to that deal earlier in the season and had his effort question. So it's like, it's kind of funny we talk about Howie Rosen as a, a cap genius, and I think uh, he's earned that reputation. In as a whole of what he's done, I think he's made you know good moves in that regard. But like recently, is he really you know is he really that? I don't know. Yeah, well, because a lot of I think a lot of that, especially with the Curry and Ertz deals and things like that, that is that that to me is more talent evaluation than it is than it is cap. But yeah, I, I could see your point that they're they're, uh, they're totally tied together there. Uh, Teron, any final thoughts as we're rolling out here, my friend? Well, I think Curry was paid on potential, you know, in this scheme, but that's a conversation we could have for a different show man my final thoughts is is this end of the day these guys are paid to play football they're drafted to pay play football focus on their ability on the football field i understand off the field stuff is important but 
look at their ability on the field. That is the most important thing. That's what they're being brought in to do. That's, uh, that's for me. I uh, I will end with a couple of things here. One, Twitter. What the fuck you doing, man? We, <laughs> we, were, we were good. You didn't have to. If it's not broke, don't fix it. This thing you're doing where you can add literally everybody into your mentions now and it doesn't count against the 140 characters it's it's asinine. <laughs> it's crazy. I want to I want to see who people are responding to. You know, it's just like ugh, you get to, we're trying to trying to make things better. Don't it's just it's just stop doing that altogether. And plus, it's making the site crash like every five seconds. So it's it's very annoying. Uh, secondly, uh, again, the pre-draft party that is happening that it, we can lock that in now. It's happening at the Delilah's Gentlemen's Club Wednesday, the night before the draft, on the twenty sixth from nine to ten p.m. We were actually featured in their uh, email listing as we we tweeted out and got some interesting reactions to it. So, again, I just want to let everybody know that this was kind of a deal that uh, kind of fell into our laps and we happily accepted because it's 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 for it's. Can I put a song request? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You can. And uh, so for an hour, we're just going to hang out and do a live broadcast from there. And it's BLG's first time at a strip club. So. Let's have a lot of fun, and then after we're probably we're gonna find a place yet to be determined. We're talking about that right now to make it a little more inclusive. So for all the people that are flying in or just wanting to hang out or go a little further, you can stay there if you want to. But we'll also have like a more inclusive bar where we can just go in and hang out into the wee hours. Also, I think it's okay to let the cat out of the bag a little bit here because we're as we're saying we we been keep prepping this thing as far as. The draft party and a lot of that. There are so many irons in the fire that I promise you it will all be worth it. But uh, we can officially say that the BGN Radio podcast will be a part of Radio Row the entire time at the draft, which is very exciting for us. We're going to be rubbing right up with all the other radio stations that are going to be there. going to be this silly little podcast that we started three years ago is going to be amongst all of those folks. So we're going to have as many interviews as possible with who is ever walking through there, whether it be Hall of Famers or draft analysts or whatever kind of comes our way. And hopefully we can have Facebook Live going and we'll be broadcasting live that entire time. We'll have like, we'll have a good chunk of time. So like, you know, in the afternoon until the evening, we'll be broadcasting live through there. There'll be videos. There'll be a lot of different stuff. We're so excited to do that. So that should give you some hints on where this exclusive draft party may or may not be happening and for those that can't do that, we will definitely have a a, a secondary remote location uh, there. This has been a BGN Radio episode number 231. Uh, be right back here for episode 232 with myself, John Barchard, of course, for Teron Davenport and the man in charge, Mr. Brandon Lee Gout. And we thank you so much for listening right here on BleedingGreenNation.com and BGNRadio.com.
Regional.